One dad to another, happy Father's Day. And uh, we, we had an agreement among the dads that we could wear whatever we wanted today. I didn't wear what I wanted, but something in between. I think it's better that way. But today is a special day for dads. It's a special day for families. And uh, I have a gift for all of us, for dads today. And it's my lesson that I want to share with you. Uh, once again, I believe today's lesson could be a game changer for us about fatherhood. And as you can see, faith in fatherhood. A lot of people have lost faith in fatherhood today. They don't believe. They've lost faith in the role that fathers can play in their children's lives. But today God's Word's got a message for us that we can restore it. And we can make a difference. And we can make a change. I got a number of text messages this morning from friends of mine. And I want to begin just, just by saying this. Fathers who uh, I studied the Bible with or was able to influence at one time... And it was encouraging me because I thought about the lesson we're going to go over today. And I thought, you know, if God hadn't intervened in these men's lives, their families would be a mess. For sure, number one, they wouldn't be married. And then number two, their kids would have very little hope. So today God is going to provide an opportunity for, just like He provided an opportunity for them, and they can actually celebrate, their, their children can celebrate Father's Day because of the change, Amen. because of what God brought about. But I realize today, on Father's Day, it has a different meaning for different people. For a lot of people, today is not a good day. It's a painful day, because there was an absence in their lives. But we serve a God who is the God who restores all things. And He wants to fill that void in your life. And I believe you can find spiritual fathers. Yeah. You can find a father in Him. But as we begin today, I want us to watch a video to see the influence of fathers. So let's watch together. Yeah. But I'm watching you. Watching the things you do. I'm watching the way you treat people. The way you treat me and my mom and my sister. The way you live your life is having a big impact on me. When it's time for me to choose a career and provide for my family, your work ethic will be on my mind. The time you spend with me, even doing simple things, will give me a sense of security. There will be times in my life where I struggle with integrity. And I may be not sure what to do. But I will recall how you stood up for what was right 
even if you could look the other way. Many of the choices you are making, I will also make. Please don't be afraid to show me your failures, to show me your mistakes. I will learn from them. Dad, are you listening? I'm watching. Watching to see if you really believe what you say about God. I need you to help show me the way. Show me how to live life that isn't safe, but is good. So I'm watching you, Dad, every day. You're teaching me how to live, whether you know it or not. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer to begin. Holy Father in heaven, this morning we thank you for being a great and awesome Father to all of us. And uh, God, I do pray that today we can hear your word and what it has to say to each one of us. God, we live in a world of constant corruption and where everything is coming apart at the seams because of your absence in people's lives. Not because you are not willing, God, but because they're not willing. But this morning, all of us that are here today, we want to be willing. We want to hear your word and we want to respond to it. We want to make a difference. And we pray that today you will open our hearts and let your word fall on fertile ground, that it may produce much fruit. I pray that you'll be with our friends visiting here with us today, that you'll touch their hearts to see how much you love them. And I pray, God, that we can take responsibility for who we are, and what our future will be. Father, we thank you. Fill me with your spirit and bless us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, all of us have heard over and over again, you can't listen to the news without hearing about the Gulf spill. And we're on day 63, I think, 64. Why do you think that accident happened? There's a lot of speculation. But one of the big speculations is, is that accident happened because of negligence. People didn't, weren't careful enough. I believe the Gulf of Mexico is very much like our society and our world today. We've got a Gulf that's being contaminated every day, and it's a spill of death. Killing, killing creatures and the innocent. Ruining lives every day. We live in a world of many moral and spiritual spills. And today we have the opportunity to stop that spill in our lives and say, enough. Not here and not now. I want my life, I want my family to be different. And I believe in fatherhood. And I believe in God's Word. And I believe it can make a difference. And today is a day for change. It's an opportunity for you, whether you're a father or not, because I believe what we're going to learn today can apply to parents, it can apply to future parents, it can apply to everybody. Let's begin in Deuteronomy chapter 30. 
in verse 19. This is God offering His people an opportunity, a choice. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. That you and your so that you and your descendants might live. You know, too often we don't realize what we do and how it can affect our children. You know, if you don't have a good feeling about Father's Day today, there's probably a reason. Somebody didn't do what God intended them to do. They made bad choices. And it affected your life. And guess who else's life it's going to affect? If you have siblings, it's going to affect them. And if you have children, it can affect them. And on and on and on. God is saying today, make a good choice. You know, a lot of people focus on being good at something. If there's one thing that I want to be good at in my life, and that I want to encourage you to be good at, is making good choices. You know, you can be a great athlete, but as we've seen over and over again, and you have all the records, your career will end. It's very short term. But if you make good choices, guess how long your career and the impact of your life will have? And we're going to see that today very vividly. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9, it says, Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessings at the appropriate time. What is, what is that appropriate time? How long does it take? A lifetime. A lifetime of good choices. You make bad choices and, and the Scriptures say you will reap it. And we, we live in a society where a lot of people make very poor decisions. And they don't realize the effect. And we're going to look at a study that was done backwards on faith in the family. And it's carried in, in our messages that we've had in the last months have carried a consistent message. And the message is, it's generational. God's Word is generational. He doesn't want to just bless your life. Too many of us are focused on me right now in my life. I want to get my life right. We're not talking about you. We're talking about your children and your children's children and their children. If you do the right thing today, you're going to affect them. If you do the wrong thing, again, you will affect them. That's what the Scripture we just saw is talking about. It's generational. You go on vacation. How far in advance do you plan when you go on vacation? Anybody? About six months, some, right? Now, the real good planners, how far in advance? Ooh, a year. If it's a big trip, one of those lifetime trips, you plan it out years in advance. You know, big things you plan out years in advance. How big is life? 
How big is the life of your children? And I believe the problem that we have today is we're short-term thinkers. We're thinking about this week, this month, tomorrow. And we're not thinking what you do today will affect people that you don't even know and you may never even meet. And that's why we're trying to set a foundation in our church of generational thinking. Because if we do what's right, God wants to bless our descendants. He wants to send it on down and bless us. God's plan is generational in our church and in our families. He doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to bless your children and your children's children. And we're going to see that vividly. Two men that we're going to look at today. Two men in the history of the United States. They were born about the same time and lived in the same area of the United States. The choices they made had a far-reaching impact on their 1,200 descendants each. They did a reverse study. You know how people go and they find their family line and their family tree? They did it reverse. They took two men and they looked at numbers about 120 years of the generations. They went backwards and they said, let's look at the generations and the life that these men live and the effect that it had on their descendants. It's shocking. And let's see a video that describes it. The two men's names are Max Jukes is one. Probably never heard of him. Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards. You've probably heard of him, maybe, if you've studied anything about religious history here in the United States. But two men, totally different mindsets. And the numbers that he's going to describe in the video or the study are actually very, they're, they're, they're erroneous. It's larger. It's not three or four hundred, it's twelve hundred in the study, the actual results. Let's take a look. There's a story of two real men in history whose life dramatically influenced their children. The first man was named Max Jukes. Max Jukes was an atheist and an alcoholic. Of his 540 descendants, 310 died as paupers, 150 were criminals, 7 were murderers, 100 were drunkards, and more than half the women were prostitutes. The second man lived a much different life. Jonathan Edwards was a godly man who spread the gospel of Jonathan Edwards' 394 descendants. Thirteen became college presidents. Sixty-five were college professors. Three were United States senators. Thirty were judges. One hundred were lawyers. Sixty physicians. 75 army and navy officers, 100 preachers and ministers, 60 authors of prominence, one a vice president of the United States, 80 became public officials of other capacities, 295 college graduates, among whom were governors of states and ministers to foreign countries. Fathers, 
Your life will influence your children for many generations. What kind of an influence are you? Make every day a Father's Day. You know, that's a pretty sobering study that they did. And I want you to open your eyes today about the possibilities of the legacy that you're going to leave your children. we got a lot of small thinkers in our society today. They're just thinking about the here and now and me. And they don't realize 1,200 descendants later, they will be affected by the choices we make. And it's not about if you're a good person or you're a bad person, because if you categorize my life, I want to make it real clear. Before I started studying God's Word, I was a very bad person. It, any, any time it can change. God always holds out hope for game-changing moments. Life-changing moments. doesn't matter what you've done, it can be different. Things can be different. And it's a matter of basing your life on God's Word, God's principles. It's not about you. It's about having the right choice. I'm going to follow God's way instead of my way. Joshua 24. Look what Joshua said. And you can see how he was thinking. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in those in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He was focusing not only on himself, but on his household. And he knew, if I do what's right, my children are going to follow in my steps. Just as we saw in the clip. Our kids are watching. Children are watching. And even for some of us who don't have children, some of us older adults, some of you single, some of you college students, people are watching. People are noticing how you live your life. You can't live in a void. You can't live in a chasm. You are an influence. And you have to make choices about what kind of influence you're going to be in people's lives. And that study uh, with Max Jukes, it was estimated that he cost the state where his descendants lived, him and his descendants, that their descendants cost the state at that time in monetary value, of that time, $1.5 million. The descendants of Max Jukes cost the state from all the carnage of their lives. You know, we, the choices we make are either going to edify and build our society or going to tear it down and be a burden to our society. But today you have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to be game changers. Amen. To be life changers. And do things differently. And this isn't just for the fathers, this, this is for everybody. And as I said, if you can be good at one thing in your life, focus on being a person who makes good choices. That's what Joshua did. That's what he was calling the people to do. And look what it says here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and 6. Now, this is God's word fulfilling what we saw in Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards. Listen to it. I love it when Scripture clearly states the truth and gives us evidence of what we saw. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the father to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Think about that. And it's not so much God is going to judge you for what your parents did. It's about the consequence, the effect on their decision and their influence had on you. God covers no sin. He will charge no sin to, what, to you to what your parents did. But understand, unless you make radical decisions to change who you are and who they were, it's going to follow. You're going to follow. As we saw in the video, I'm watching you, Dad. You can't stop it. Kids, like little kids, are little sponges. They're looking for someone to learn from. The scary part is, is when you get older as teens, you start listening less to your parents, and then you start looking at your friends, and you allow your friends to influence you more or if not the same as your parents. That's scary. That's where choices come in. Make good ones. Me as a teen, I allowed my friends to influence me more than my parents. But an encouraging news is the parents have a larger impact and it'll come full circle. It can come back around. Because you figure things out as a young person sometimes. You come to your senses. You wake up and go, what an idiot. What a stupid idiot I'm being and I'm living. You don't tell anybody that, but you think it and you know it. And that's what led me to start studying the Bible and to changing my life. But this is exactly what we saw in the study. You know, what, what will be the legacy that you leave behind? And we're going to look at three things, three things that fathers should be. Okay? This is my gift to you, dads. Three things that fathers should be. And you don't necessarily have to be a father to, 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 to live these qualities, but these are three for dads. And for all you future dads out there, these are three. Okay? Three very important ones. Number one is to be a provider. To be a provider. To provide for your family. Number two, to be a protector. I mean, love this one. Guys, love this one. Yeah. I'm going to protect the family. Okay, well, we're going to get into that. We'll see. And then number three, to be a priest of your family. And we're going to redefine priests because I know a lot of us have a lot of preconceived ideas about priests. Now we're going to look at the biblical definition of a priest. In these three areas, we've seen a breakdown in our society and it will have a lasting effect. How long do you think this Gulf spill is going to last and the effect that it will have on that ecosystem in the Gulf of Mexico? And not only the Gulf of Mexico, I'm saying when it spreads out and, and reaches... When they get the food out of there and then they export it to California and you go, man, this shrimp tastes a little, I don't know, man. It's got like a, a gasoline taste to it. Exxon. And you go, yeah, this is from the Gulf of Mexico, thanks to BP, courtesy of BP. But you know, how far-reaching is the effect that people have and going to have because of their oil spill in their lives. Their moral oil spill. Today is a time to stop it. Plug that leak. 
and get it right. And then we can start rebuilding and get things right. And we can make a significant difference, just as Jonathan Edwards. One man, he said, enough, I'm going to lead a revival. I'm going to be about preaching and teaching and living God's Word. I'm going to teach it to my children, and and I'm going to make sure they teach it to their children. 1,200 generations or 1,200 descendants later, huge impact on our community. Vice presidents, leaders, officers in the, in, the, in the armed forces. So let's look at provider. Okay, dads, are you with me? Say amen if you're with me. Don't, please don't fall asleep on this important of a lesson. And don't eat your payday now. Okay, that's for later. But let's look at this, the provider. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Hey, look around at our world. Do you think there's a lack of food and a lack of available resources to us? Opportunities? This world is overflowing with opportunities. It's abundant. God is an awesome provider. And especially for His chosen children who decide to follow Him and do what's right. God is a great provider, but for dads, we need to be providers. We need to provide for our families. That means we work. That means we go out and we bring back something to give and provide for them. Most of us would agree with this. But even in our economy now, it's a test. When jobs are tight... Are we going to make excuses or are we going to continue to fight? I'm going, no matter what I have to do, I'm going to be a provider. And I'm not going to be an excuse maker. Hey, our children are watching. They're watching what we do and how we do it. And if you do studies of the the Depression, the Great Depression, men did incredible things. I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, of the boxer. What is it called? I'm sorry. Cinderella Man. What an amazing story. What this guy was willing to do to provide for his family in a desperate time. Talk about hitting rock bottom. But that's what God has called dads to be, fathers to be. And then 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives... Now, this is strong. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Not he is an unbeliever. He's worse than an unbeliever. That's strong. God is saying to us men, Fathers, provide for your families. That's number one. Provide for them. Now, understand this. Being a man carries a responsibility. Now, all of us in the promise of God, and here, and women say, yeah, but what about me? Hey, listen, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. We're equal. Okay? He's given you the same promise, women, as He's given me. We are both heirs, co-heirs, equal portion. But our roles are different. And brothers, men... We have a different role. And our role is to be men and to be responsible. And this is our role. I'm very, I'm very grateful that God made me a man. And as I'm sure my wife is very grateful and happy she's a woman. I don't want to be a woman. And there's women that don't want to be men. 
But understand this, okay? Understand this. Now, I know we've got some confusion in our society today. But understand this. When you accept the role, your gender role, accept the responsibility that comes along with it to be a provider for your family and do what it takes to provide for them. Then number two, to be a protector now. We love this one. You know, how many men just love to man up and stand at the door with a gun for anybody who tries to get at it? We love that. We will stand at the gate. Just try it. I'll take you out. You mess with my family, you mess with me. We love that. It gets, our, it gets the hair on the back of our neck to stand up. Right? We love that. But let's go deeper. To be a protector of the family. But the Lord is a faithful, is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. God is a great protector. I, I don't even know how many times, and I'm sure when I get to heaven I'm going to see how many times God protected me from awful stuff. And I know for a fact for the ten years that I lived in Latin America in some of the most dangerous cities in the world, we were protected. And we lived in some rough situations always protected. God is a great protector. But look at, look at what protection means. It means shelter. That's a very basic protection. You have a roof, you know, protection from the elements, providing for your family, shelter and security. And then number two, this is something maybe we don't talk about enough, is emotional safety. Emotional safety. That you will let no one or nothing harm the emotional stability of your family. Dads, Don't let anybody come in there and mess with your kids' emotional stability, including yourself. Be a protector of their well-being. And then number three, for those of us that are disciples, and if you're visiting here with us today, you can learn more about what spiritual safety means. Spiritual safety has to do with the influence of outside things and media that can have. I'm talking about... Music. I'm talking about movies. I'm talking about the internet. Cable TV. Things that invade our houses. And I know for, for many years my kids thought, man, you're over the top. No, I'm not over the top. They don't understand the effect that pornography has on the human brain. And how it will mess up the relationship, the future relationship that you will have with your future wife. And whoever you marry will have an effect on them. They were not kept safe and therefore... And, you know, we have, we have things like rules in our family. Look at Genesis chapter 2.15. This is from the Amplified Bible. Look what God did with Adam in the garden. And the Lord took the man, Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it, to tend and guard and keep it. What did he give Adam the responsibility to do? Tend the garden, work it, and then what else? Guard it. Guard it from what? British Petroleum. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, sorry. Let's not get off, off track here. It's a joke. (coughs) To guard it. God gave him a responsibility to guard and protect the garden. 
Fathers, you have a responsibility to guard your family. To protect your family. Because realize, things that come into your home can affect what happens. Okay, we've got a systems breakdown. But here are some things. I've got some bullet points up on the screen. Write them down if you want. You know, in our home, we have family rules. Family rules for my children's protection. I'll give you a couple of them. One of them is they can't spend the night at other people's house that I don't know really, 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 really well. Get the picture? Why? And listen, I've heard an earful about how over the top that rule is. I had that rule when I was growing up, and I'm very grateful now that we had that rule when I was a kid. You know why? It's because they can't protect. I can't protect them when they're at someone else's house. But then when they're at my house, I have an influence and I can protect them. I can protect them. And then number two is, how can you protect your family? Is having aware of the influence in your child's life, meaning friends, who they hang around with. Hey, I try to influence who are going to be my, ch- my children's friends. And if I don't like them, guess what? I'm going to let them know. Well, they're my friends. I can have who I want friends. Yeah, you can have whoever you want when you get out of the house and when you get older. But at this point in time, under my roof, you're under my protection and you're my responsibility. You're not old enough to be responsible for yourself. Sorry, kids, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Okay? Nick and Lauren. I got a responsibility before God. You know who's going to carry this one to the grave if they're not protected? I am. I feel that responsibility. Too many of you fathers, you wash your hands of that responsibility. It's wrong. Feel it. Take it. Own it. Like the guys in the back have a responsibility to fix the media problem. (laughs) Another point here is music and media. These things will... Never fit culturally. What I'm talking about, these rules, they'll never fit culturally. It didn't fit when I was a kid. Man, I ran in and raved with my parents about spending the night. Oh, wow. Some of the songs that I would sing and, you know, and just gripe and moan. And, and my dad, you know, whenever my sisters would say this, you know, well, you guys are weird. But my, my daughters would say this to my parents. My, sis- my sisters would say this about my, da- my dad. And you know what he would say? I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud to be weird. But he was a protector. And I appreciate that. And dads, I want to encourage you. Don't be loosey-goosey with your kids. Be a protector of what goes on in their, their life. Check out the music that they listen to. Check their Facebook page now and then. Who's on there? What are they saying? Facebook? I don't even know what Facebook is. Well, there's your problem. (laughs) Having cable TV in their bedroom. Man, don't do that. You can't see what's going to come over the wavelengths there. Hey, having a TV in the room but letting a cable TV come in the room and even streaming what's out there free come in, be careful. Computers in the bedroom, unsurveyed, unwatched. 
hey, be careful. Because it has an influence. Enough said. Move on to number three. The priests of the family. Okay, now we've got to redefine here. What is the biblical definition of a priest? Okay, because culturally we may have an idea of what a priest is. It's not biblical. A priest is one who represents God to the people and the people to God. He's an intermediary. These people, God, I represent them. And God, I represent you to these people. I'm the go-between. I am the spiritual leader. I'm the one responsible for the influence of God in the home and His influence in my life through them and into their lives. The priest. That's what a priest did. Biblically speaking. He was the intermediary. He represented God. He spoke God's Word. But he also pleaded to God on behalf of the people. Like Moses did. God wanted to destroy the people of Israel. And Moses said, no, don't do it. Give them another chance. He pleaded with their souls. A father needs to plead with God for the, 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 the protection and the mercy and the oversight of his children and of his family. That means to be a priest. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know, Sandy said there's no, there's no chapter in the, book of, or in, the book, in the Bible that uh, talks about men like Proverbs 31. Well, I want to make a correction. There's actually three book, four books in the Bible that describe the responsibility and the qualities of a man, of manhood, of fatherhood. And you know what it is? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Whole books. See, because we have to redefine, we have to redefine Christ is manhood. 100%. It's manhood. They're synonymous. They're one word. But that's not how the world defines it. You know, some, some people have the idea that, well, you know, I believe in God, I love God, and, but you know, I, I don't want to be a girly man. Meaning if you come to church, you're a girly man. You're not a real man. real man will be home watching the World Cup. And in the fall, he'd be home watching LF, NFL Prime. The game's not even on yet, he's watching the show beforehand. You know what? Let's set this straight. Because the world's model of manhood is a, is a total misgiving. It's a lie. Just like in Galatians 6 said, do not be misled. A lot of men are being misled about manliness. This idea with having tattoos on your arm and on your neck and being this rough and tough, hardened person who treats women and children... Like they're trash. That's not a man. That's a coward. That's a fool. And let's just go through it. What other man in the history of humanity, what other man endured the cross for others? An innocent man endured the cross for others who are clearly guilty. Name one man that did that. Only Jesus did it. 
And let me tell you, he's man enough. He wasn't a weak male. He was more male, more manly than any man that's walked the face of this earth. And you need to set that straight. You think you're tough. Stand up for your family. Stand up for the innocent who can't protect themselves. Jesus did that for you. That's manlyhood. Willing to lay down his life for the lives of others while they were screaming at him. Carried the sins of all humanity. He didn't just feel the, the pain of the the nails, he felt the spiritual burden of our sin on his soul. That's why he cried out to God on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that very moment, Jesus felt the spiritual burden of our sin. Show me a man that's willing to do that. I'll confess, I would shrink back to such a task quickly. Only Jesus. Talk about manliness. He remained silent in a mock trial with false witnesses galore, with corruption, and didn't defend himself. All he had to do was open his mouth, but he didn't. Because of you and because of me. That's manhood. That's priesthood. I go between the world and my family. I will lay down my life. So what is soft? What is girly? What is effeminate about this? About that? You need to clean your mind of what is manliness and step up to the plate. Manliness is Christ. And that's who we need to want to be like and follow as men. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When they hurled in their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered... He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body and on a tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus watches out for us. Jesus grabbed me at my moment of greatest need and said, I'm going to snatch you from the fires and give you another chance. And if you need another chance after that, I'll give you another. What a a blessing to have someone who is a priest for us, who provides us with spiritual strength. And that's why we're going to celebrate the communion today. It's a celebration. It's not a ritual. It's to celebrate. I have a Savior. I have a, I have a King. I have a priest who is willing to stand in the gap for me. And I'm going to celebrate the forgiveness that I have. I'm going to give thanks for the bread and the fruit of the vine. Because it was poured out. It was broken for me. What a blessing. The greatest responsibility a father has in his life is to represent his family to God. 
and to represent God to his family, to be that intermediary. And I'm talking about family devotionals for the dads. Read the Bible with your kids. Pray with your kids. Well, that's mom's job. You know, they're going to follow that example. If they don't see a man who's willing to get on his knees and pray, they're going to see later in their lives they're not going to be willing to do the same. It's a posture. It's our greatest calling in life as fathers. And it will leave the greatest impact. They make such a big deal in the NBA about the legacy of the greatest players. And they make such a small deal about those same men and the legacy of their children for their absence. You don't want to be an NBA star. You want to be a great dad. Because trust me, it will have a far-reaching impact on those generations that follow. And they won't be all fired up about, my dad was the best player in the NBA. What did he teach you? What did he show you? How to be an adulterer? How to be unfaithful? How to run around? How to not take responsibility? How to blame everybody else? How to be superficial? How to be ungodly? Think about it. This is what the world is spinning out there. No, you, Dad, focus on the little things that will have a lasting impact on your children and their children and their children. I called my dad this morning and I said, you know what, I just want to thank you. Now, he wasn't perfect. And he wasn't a disciple. But he did have a very profound impact on my life. And I choose to take what I can give and then improve on it where I can. But I'm grateful for the things that he taught me. And it did have an impact on my life. It's still having an impact. And your children, after you're long gone, your words, your life will speak to them and still be a guide. And I don't want to just talk to the dads here. I want to talk to parents. And I want to talk to future parents. Think about what you do. And I want to talk about mentors, people who, who indirectly or directly in, influence young people. And it's, not, it's very important not to shirk. I, don't, I didn't spell that right. Don't shirk this responsibility or role. Accept it. Take it with pride. I, I, I want this. And this is a, the concluding point. We're not raising kids in our families. We're growing men and women who will pass on what they learn from us. You're growing our society and your home, Dad. That's huge. When you're long gone, you're let, your impact will still live on. In conclusion, Luke chapter 20, verse 24. Jesus was asked this question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he said, give me the coin. Show me a coin. And he, and he got it out and, you know, there was Caesar's image on the coin. And he said, whose portrait and inscription are on it? And they obviously said Caesar's. So rend to Caesar what is Caesar's. The point here is, on anything you see, anything you got, whatever it is, it says made somewhere. Right? 
A lot of times it says made in China, right? Made in Korea. Made in Hecho in Mexico, right? But you know where the thing was made? Ever pulled the tab on your life? On you? We're going to pull the tab on you today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. When you look at the label of your life, where were you made? Do you know? I wasn't made in Gainesville, Florida. I was made in heaven. You were made in heaven. That's your creator. That's who created you. And it's very important for you to go back and say, if he created me, he knows how best to live my life, how to manage my life, how to live my life. So I want to encourage you today that if we leave here with these three things, to be providers, protectors, and to be priests. It's going to go well. You're going to leave that impression. You know, when you look at a dollar bill, it says, this is U.S. currency. There will be an impression of your life on your children and their children and their children and their children. And they'll be able to go back like Jonathan Edwards and go, because of what he did, I am who I am. It's generational. We start thinking this way, wow. And that's how God wants to evangelize the world. You know, I appreciate our dream many years ago that we wanted to impact the world in our generation. Hey, listen, God's not worried. I mean, He's not only thinking about our generation, He's thinking about the future generations. It's time we open up our perspective and get a little further out there as parents. And you will start living your life today Like it said on the video, make every day Father's Day. Understand what you do and the impact that it has. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer and take the communion together. Our Father God.